AM 1160, WYLL Chicago. Welcome to the Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus. Our world is full of incomplete solutions, leaving people searching for more. God's only solution for all mankind, for all time, is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Grow in relationship with God, your Heavenly Father, because your purpose is far greater than the day-to-day circumstances of life. Let's join Greg for the Solution Radio Show as he shares from God's Word with us today. Today in our teaching segment, we will look at Abraham's example of believing. And then our interview segment in the second uh, part of the show is with Christian minister and author Gerald Wren. Uh, Gerald's book is titled Our Hope in Christ. Uh, Gerald will share with us some wonderful truth regarding the return of Jesus Christ and events around that time frame. Let's begin, though, here first looking at God's word regarding not staggering at the promise of God and how Abraham is our example. When it comes to believing God, we sometimes get sidetracked by what we see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. We become distracted from the promise from God when we trust in our five senses more than the promise. If we are sidetracked from the promise of God, then we do not receive all the good that our Heavenly Father has available. When we believe or trust the distractions more than the promises of God, the result almost always issues in doubt, worry, and fear. The Bible tells us that Abraham is the father of all those who believe. Abraham believed the promise of God despite the overwhelming negative circumstance he found himself in. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations and that man's redeemer would come from his bloodline and that Sarah would be the one to have Abraham's child. Now, Abraham and Sarah, they were old. (laughs) Sarah was past childbearing age. Abraham was 75 years old when God told him that he would be the father of many nations. 25 years passed before Abraham and Sarah had a child. Abraham was 100, and Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born. Their physical bodies were not capable of having a child by way of the five senses. But when God became involved, well, then all things are possible. Since Abraham is cited in God's word as our example of believing, it should compel us to look at his life and to see how he believed God. Despite the overwhelming circumstances of his age and Sarah's age that were contrary to God's promise. If you have a Bible handy and want to follow along, uh, we'll start here in Romans chapter 4, verse 17. And it states, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens or makes alive the dead, and calls those things which be not as though they were. God makes alive the dead, and he calls those things which be not as though they were. God speaks, his word is living, and a truth comes into evidence in the senses realm. Healing replaces sickness, abundance replaces poverty, peace replaces anxiousness. Continuing in verse 18, Abraham against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in believing, Abraham considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
literally beyond all human expectation, Abraham believed God's promise that he would be the father of many nations, rather than to believe that he and Sarah were too old to have children. And the next two verses here in Romans chapter 4, they are crucial in our understanding of Abraham's mindset regarding God's promise. Also, it is just so vitally important to recognize that Abraham's mindset toward God and the promises of God are based on his relationship with God. Remember, Abraham talked to God and God talked to him. Abraham was a friend of God. Friends hang out together. Friends share their hearts and lives with one another. Here in verse 20, it says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in believing, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded, verse 21, that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. The word staggered here in verse 20 means to hesitate or to waver. Abraham didn't flip back and forth. He didn't say, well, did God really mean that I would be the father of many nations? No, he couldn't have meant that. I'm too old. Sarah's too old. No, he didn't waver. He held on to the promise of God in his thoughts and in his heart. He thought on what God had said. He meditated on the promise of God and all that he had seen and heard from God in their relationship as friends. Abraham was strong in believing to the end that the promise came to pass and the glory went to God. The glory didn't go to Abraham. Abraham didn't vaunt himself. He and Sarah, they were too old to have children physically. It had to be God. Everything about the circumstances Abraham faced would tell you that it would be impossible to have a child and to be the father of many nations. But remember, we read, God makes alive the dead, and God calls those things which be not as though they were. Abraham was fully persuaded. There was not one iota of a doubt or a worry that God would not bring to pass what he had promised. Abraham trusted God to the nth degree. He did not entertain any what-ifs, what-if if God can't do it. He didn't think like that. Abraham knew that what God had promised, he was able and he was willing to perform. God does not make empty promises. God does not lie, as men so often do. What God has promised, he is absolutely fully able and willing to perform. What is even more remarkable here is because of Abraham's believing, he was declared righteous in the sight of God. Righteousness was reckoned unto him. Abraham was declared righteous in the sight of God, not because of his works, but because he believed God. Abraham's believing laid the foundation, and it set in motion the fulfillment of God's promise of the coming Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. What an impact one person's life can have upon all mankind when they believe God's word, when they believe God's promises. What about your life? What are the promises God has given to you? You know, there's several hundred that are written in the Word of God. Those are awesomely wonderful. But what about also those nuggets of truth and encouragement that He has spoken to you when He has worked within your heart and life to willing to do of His good pleasure, as it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. 
You are God's child. Abraham was a servant. Abraham was a friend of God. Since the coming of Jesus Christ, the giving of his life, his death, his resurrection, and the giving of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, men and women have the privilege to become born again, born again of God's Spirit, becoming children of God. Think about that for a moment. You have the Spirit of God within you. What kind of impact can you have today on the world, upon your sphere of influence, when you believe the promises of God? The value of your life to the world when you believe God's Word because of who you are as God's child, well, it's just tremendously huge. What can one man or woman do when they believe God? What can you do when you believe God? You can turn the hearts of people from the evil of this world to the one true God. You can offer hope where there appears to be absolutely no way out. You can speak words of life that build up to those who have been beaten down by the world. A family, an entire neighborhood, city, state, or a nation could be shaken to its very core crying out, what must we do to be saved? Because of your stand for truth, because you speak God's word, because you believe God, because you have built a relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth, and you walk and talk with him because you know who he is as your heavenly father, and you know who you are as his son, and you know what you have in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, being justified, and to be justified is to be legally declared righteous in the sight of God. By believing, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are righteous by believing because of the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. Not because of your good works, but because of his good work. And because of that, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Your peace is through that accomplished work of Jesus Christ. A peaceful heart, that's a heart that's able to believe God. A peaceful heart is free of doubt, worry, and fear. A peaceful heart will hear the stir of God's Spirit working within you to the end of obedience, which will always bring glory to God and will always bring deliverance to God's people. Abraham was a man. He was a friend of God. He trusted God. He believed God. The ripple effect of Abraham's believing goes through today all the way to eternity. If you believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and if you have confessed Jesus as Lord of your life, you're a child of God. You have eternal life. When and where you believe God today, just as Abraham, your life will affect others throughout all eternity. What an awesomely wonderful life we've been called to. And I know I, week after week, continually go back to Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works within you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The creator of the heavens and the earth has given you his spirit so that you might walk and talk with him and bring glory to him in this world. When we return from this short break, we will speak with Christian minister and author Gerald Wren 
about our hope in Christ, be sure to visit the Solution Radio Show.com. This is the Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus, exploring God's solution for all mankind, for all time, Jesus Christ. Our guest today is ordained Christian minister and author Gerald Wren. Gerald has been in Christian ministry for over 40 years and currently lives in Virginia. Gerald is the author of Our Hope in Christ. Our Hope in Christ is a wonderful, wonderful read on death and resurrection, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and it clearly explains difficult verses regarding the return of Jesus Christ. I'd like to welcome Gerald Wren to the Solution Radio Show. Welcome, Gerald. Hello. Glad to be a part. Oh, thank you. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, Could you give us some of the background on what was your purpose and motivation for writing Our Hope in Christ? Uh, Originally, back in 2000, I started working the subject with a group of fellow laborers I had in Cincinnati, and we worked the hope for about two, uh, two years. And the reason I got into it was there were so many things being taught that were contrary to what God said in His Word. So I wanted to put down what I did know that the Word said and go from there. So that's how I started working on the subject of the book. Okay. Now, in the book, you cover the two distinct stages of Jesus Christ's second coming. Uh, Could you explain each of those to us? Yes. The epistles, the church epistles, which are addressed to us in the age of the grace of God, deals with Jesus Christ coming for the church, which is the body of Christ, he calls them. It's the group of saints who confess Jesus as their Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. And we're all considered a group called the body of Christ. It's a spiritual body, a heavenly body, and each of us is a member in particular. It says further in the church epistles that God called us to obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the plan of the ages that he had in Christ was not just so that we could live in this life, but the whole purpose of it is that we can acquire, that we can obtain the the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ as joint heirs. Mm-hmm. So that's his coming for the church. And that will be the... When he comes for the church, it says we will meet him in the air. It talks about it in First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse 16 and following, and also in First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and following. Um, so our hope is to be received up into glory. Our hope is to... Ab- acquire the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's his coming for the church, which is a coming that concludes the age of the grace of God. Then later on, after the church is gathered together, it talks about in the Old Testament about a period called the Lord's Day. And that period is a period of judgment and war. Jesus Christ will come to the earth, Mm -hmm. and he will take over as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And in that period, there's a resurrection of the just, all the Old Testament believers and millennial-age believers. Um, the, the believers after the Church of the Grace of God is gathered together, will be raised to life. And then he will send his angels, it says, to the four corners of the earth, and they will bring the saints that are still living from the Great Tribulation 
back to their king in Jerusalem. So Christ will rule on earth for a thousand years with them. Hmm, okay. And the end of that says there will be another, um, all the dead will be raised at that time, and there'll be the great white throne judgment. And then that will be the end of death itself. And then it says that God makes all things new again, and there's a new heaven and a new earth. Wow. Those are the two parts. <laughs> That's awesome. What a glorious hope we have to meet the Lord in the air someday. And, yeah, gosh. You know, so often, too, in Christian circles, I hear people sometimes say how uh, we will still face judgment, and many times the verse they'll refer to is Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, where it talks about the judgment seat of Christ. Um, haven't right. we, as God's children, already been judged? And maybe you could sort of we explain have. that We've verse. We've been judged in Christ as righteous. Mm-hmm. So God sees us in Christ. He sees us in His righteousness without any sense of sin, guilt, or condemnation. And we stand there before Him in that grace. And everything that Christ is, we are before God. Hmm. We're identified with Him. So the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment seat for condemnation or legal judgment. It's not a down judgment. Catacrima would be the Greek. It's not a down judgment at all. This is the word that we uh, use for the bench that we appear before is the bema. And the bema is a raised step, like in the Greek games, uh, when the judge judged the games and then the winners would receive praise or rewards. And we will be judged to receive praise of God, it says. So it's not a, a judgment under condemnation. That's already been settled in Christ, and we will never again come into condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. End of story. Mm-hmm. So the judging that we have is for rewards. It talks about it also in 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, how we, we will be judged for rewards. But it has nothing to do with salvation. It's for works done in service once we are saved. And it says every laborer will have praise of God. And there's some good and some bad, but every work will come into to judgment, it says. If they're bad, it, it's the Greek word, which means worthless. They're not worthy of praise. So they're either worthy of praise or they're not worthy of praise. But it has nothing to do about judgment for salvation. Wow, that's really very freeing to know the truth regarding that verse. That's, that's... Absolutely. Now, we know the Word is a living Word, and, and we know that our Heavenly Father wants us to have the hope living and real in our hearts and lives, uh, practically, day by day. How can we live our lives looking forward to anticipating the hope of Christ's return? Well, in the first century, they believed that His return is imminent, and we ought to believe the same thing. He could come at any moment. Uh, it says that the time is only the Father knows, not even the Son himself. The Lord Jesus Christ knows the day, time, or hour, nor do the angels. So we ought to live every day as though it's going to be our last day on earth. And how would you live if you knew this was your last day on earth? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you'd put everything you had into it, right? Right, right. It says in Corinthians uh, that our hope renews us, uh, and that we're to keep this exceeding eternal heavyweight of glory before our eyes. Uh, it says that it's to comfort us in Thessalonians. And it says that we're to have a confidence 
knowing that what God started on us, He will bring to its full end. We're to have that confidence. And several times in the New Testament, both in Ephesians and First Thessalonians 5, it calls it the helmet of salvation. Well, a helmet protects the head. Everything we go through in this life just <laughs> beats you to death day by day. Right. When we keep the hope of glory before our eyes, or we wear it as a helmet, that's what protects our head as we live this life. Mm-hmm. And then it says that it's the word hupomone, is the word for patience. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hope of glory is to give us patience. It's, it's that staying power, that true grit that gets you through the storm. Uh, it's the anchor of the soul. It's all of that. So we're instructed to look for Christ in verse after verse in the New Testament. That's what we're to keep our eyes on. And in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, it talks about being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That hope is its like our pole star. It's what we navigate through this life with. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's, gosh, that's just so awesome. It just makes it come alive when you can live like that, anticipating at any moment that the Lord could return. And now, if you're just joining us on the Solution Radio Show, our guest today is Gerald Wren, a Christian minister, ordained minister, who's been serving in the ministry for over 40 years, and he's the author of Our Hope in Christ. And we have only about a minute and a half left, but is there something briefly, Gerald, that's on your heart that you'd like to share with our listeners to encourage them in the things of God? The greatest thing I would say is just don't forget that God called us. The whole reason he called us was to obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The revelation of that obtaining is a time of salvation and redemption, glory, rest, joy, and pleasures forevermore and great comfort. And in Ephesians 2.7, it says that it will take our Father the ages to come, that, that's eternity, hmm. to demonstrate the exceeding riches of His grace to us in Christ. And it says He's going to reveal it to us, display it to us, with the loving kindness of a Father. So that's what we have to look forward to. And it should just absolutely be the anchor of our soul. Wow. What encouraging words. What encouraging truth to be able to look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. Now, how can our listeners order your book? Or if they'd like to reach out to you and have you teach a seminar on the hope of Christ's return at their church or Bible study group, is there a website or email? Yes. They can buy the book on Amazon.com. Okay. And I have a, um, they can just go to Amazon.com. Our Hope in Christ is the name of the book. And if they would like, uh, they can go to Facebook to Gerald Wren, G-E-R-A-L-D-W-R-E-N-N. I do a daily blog called Speak to Me, uh, Dearly Beloved. Mm-hmm. And it's just a little book that you can read with the word that edifies you for that day. I also have a um, a page um, called Speak to Me Father. I'll put links up for those on our website, Gerald. Thank you so much for your time today. God bless you. The Solution Radio Show archives are available at thesolutionradioshow.com, along with resources to encourage and help you in your walk with God. The Solution Radio Show is supported by listeners like you. 
Make a donation today to join in sustaining God's work at thesolutionradioshow.com. You've been listening to The Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus, and we thank you for joining us today. God bless you. You are God's very best.